Hey y'all, this is something personal that I'm publishing. It's going to be, you know, some tea time talks with my grandmother, Lolly, because I think it's really important. And we record our grandmothers, our grandfathers, just people important in your life in general. Um, my grandmother is from Atlanta, Georgia. She is quite Southern. So if you've never heard, I actually bet you've never heard an accent like this. So it's very soothing. We're going to have a lot of funny talks, philosophical talks. But in general, this is just my way of recording my grandmother. And y'all get to hear advice from someone who's a 90-year-old. So I hope you enjoy it. And by the way, the quality of the audio is not how I prefer. If you listen to my other episodes, my podcast, the quality is a lot better. (laughs) It's because I didn't bring my equipment when we recorded. So we recorded straight off the iPhone. So in the future, we're going to record with the right equipment. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, go ahead and get your favorite tea. If you're not a tea person, coffee, just cozy up. And I hope y'all enjoy the episode. Ready? One, two, three. Cheers. Cheers. Happy tea time. <laughs> so, first of all, I want to start every episode by whatever tea that we're drinking. So, I chose my favorite, one, one of my favorites, Earl Grey. Which, what do you feel, how do you feel about Earl Grey tea? Oh, I think it's delicious. Yeah, and we're having it the English way, right? Which is just... I like it the English way with cream and sugar. I think Earl Grey is very appropriate in the afternoon. And I usually have a cup of tea around 4, 4.30. So this is very very much in keeping with my own routine. Now, have you always been a tea person? Because I've not really been a tea person. I have always been a tea person. My mother had tea time every afternoon at 4 o'clock. And sometimes the neighbors would come in and enjoy tea with her because they knew they knew Miss Lott was <laughs> going to have tea at 4 o'clock. And she would sit on the front porch in the summer and the spring. And some of them would just walk, be walking by, and they would see my mother on the porch, and they'd come in, and she'd always pour them a cup of tea. And I knew people in my neighborhood because of my mother's tea parties. Uh, see, I feel like tea, I think, is like a community thing if it is more than a drink. You know, it's, it's it means a lot of things to people. Let me say first, okay. Marie, this is so much fun for me, and you've told me about this a few days ago, and I really look forward to it because I want to hear what you and your generation uh, are thinking on some of these questions. And so this is going to be an, an interesting and really informative uh, tea time for me. I do have a question. Are you reading a recreational book right now? Oh, oh my gosh, amazing. I would love to answer this. Wonderful. Okay, as a book for you, and not just for you, for anyone listening who wants a mental challenge, have you heard of the book Life of Pi? Oh, yeah. That's did well you read known. it? I did. <gasps> what did you think about it? Oh, I thought it was gripping. And it has an unusual twist, and I'm not going to tell you about it, but um, it starts out as a fantasy, and then it, it evolves. I'm just going to tell you that much. It evolves, and I think you're going to close it with some... Uh, a little bit of questioning and some dissatisfaction. Did I really comprehend this mm. or do I want to read it again? And mm. I think that's the, the mark of a good read. It, it, oh, I'd like to read that again. Yeah, I, what reason I like the book is, well, he talks a lot about religion. So in the, from begin, remember in the beginning he visits a mosque, a church, 
and his Hindu temple and all the, the priests, the whatever, the, all the men got really angry that he was visiting all of the churches, all of religious temples. And he was like, what's the problem? I just you see he sees God in an all-encompassing way while they see God in like a human way. And I think it's interesting. And what's interesting about the book, in the beginning of the book, he says he meets the author in the author's note. The author starts by saying, I've been so dismayed by writing for so long. I kept writing duds. I could never write a good book. I was in India and I met this man at a coffee shop. And he said, I have a good story for you. And he's like, you need to re- meet this guy, Patel, Pai. And so it's kind of, I'm already, I'm kind of confused. I know you already read the book, but he's, he's making it sound like this is a true story. Like he actually met this man in India who told him this story. So for anyone who's reading this, it, I think this book is a trip. It borders fantasy and reality, it seems well, like. And, and it also involves philosophy. You mentioned mm-hmm. religion. Yeah. It has, the philosophical thrust of this is very intriguing. But this young man on this boat, is he's dealing with some philosophical issues. And religion is part of the, mm-hmm. the whole genre of philosophy. It, I began to admire him as I read that book. I began to admire that young man and his adventures on that boat, his interaction with the creatures on the boat. I, I began to really identify with him. I do remember now that you talked about it. I think this is a true story, and as I recall reading that about the author, that he did meet um, a young man who gave him this story oh, to write so on. Now, whether it's uh, in detail the same or whether it's just a suggestion. But I'm glad you're reading it. It will become a classic. Now, usually books are not considered classics under 100 years or at least through two generations, but I think this is already a classic. Mm-hmm. And when you mention The Life of Pi, most people's ears will pick up that either read mm-hmm. it or they've heard about or it. Or the movie. Or the movie. I think for people who are looking for a book, if you want to learn about animals in general, he goes in great detail about the how animals are. I think it's a really good book if you want to read just beautiful words in general. And I think it's a good book if you are kind of feeling lost in life, maybe philosophically, religiously. It literally says in the sleeve of the book, this book will make you believe in God, which, you know, who knows about that. But it's just, I think it's it's a powerful story, but it's also beautiful. But you do worry about the young man and his relationship with his tiger. You wonder yes. how dangerous is this. But I think it is a struggle for this young man to deal with reality and to deal with something beyond himself. It is beyond humanism. Uh, And and I think that's what he's struggling with, reality and something beyond uh, the real. And cause this, as I said, starts out as a fantasy and it reads like a fantasy, but by the time you finish, this is a deep philosophical examination. And I'm excited, I want to know what you think of it after you finish. Which country or place do you wish you got to go to? Well, I guess one that I never really was able to see like I wanted to see was France. Mm. I, I went all over Europe, but I never made it far enough. I never got into Paris, and I really regret I never went into Paris. So if I could take a trip somewhere now, I think I would board a plane for Paris. And mm. if I just spent there one week, I would be happy. If what I could you go do back to a place that I've been, I'd go back to Rome. Mm. Everyone Rome, loves Rome. Uh, uh, Rome has a unique fascination for most people. I, I think you cannot go to Rome, even more than Athens. Rome has an intrigue, uh, uh, a thrill about being there and 
seeing the antiquity of Rome. I, I don't know what it is about it, because the cape became so powerful and then collapsed under their own weight. It, it's, a, it's an enigma how something so grand and so magnificent and, and apparently so intelligent and so advanced could collapse on itself. And that history of Rome and that being in that area and seeing the antiquity of the, the Roman architecture and the Roman government and, and the Roman baths and, mm -hmm. and the Circus Maximus, I, I just think that going back to Rome would be what I would want to do after I made my trip to Paris. You're born in the 27. 1927. Okay. So you've seen so many changes. I think this era, the last century, is the most advanced century we've ever had. We went from the 1910s where you didn't have a, you just had a telephone, to now, I don't even have to describe the technology today, it's insane. So, of all the technological advances, which one blew your mind? Was it the jet airplane, the refrigerator, the television, maybe, the, maybe even the iPhone? Which one, in your memory personally, really blew your mind? Well, now, if we talk about historically, the thing that really grabbed me was TV. I, I could not believe that somebody in New York was speaking to me down here in Atlanta, Georgia. It doesn't seem possible. And I guess if that, if I had to isolate one particular um, thrust of surprise and intrigue would have been when they put the TV in our house and I saw a picture from another part of the country in my living room. So right. crazy. I think now the thing that intrigues me most is the uh, smartphone. That with this smartphone you can contact anybody in the world at any time of day. You not only can speak to them, you can see them, or you can find out information that you only had to depend on the Encyclopedia Britannica before. It's right there. And I used to sell um, world book encyclopedias and I, I was so proud that I could introduce that to a young family. Oh, you've got the, the history of the world in the palm of your hand. Now, <laughs> those people are out of business because of this cell phone. It has everything the Encyclopedia Britannica had. This is like the Library at Alexandria, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. We've got that, that Smithsonian Institute, we've got the Congressional Library, we've got the Library at Alexandria. We've got the world in the palm of my hand. That is unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is we don't spend all day learning. I try to. I go on YouTube a lot because you can learn a lot of things on YouTube. But I, that's what's crazy. It's like we have so much information to learn on just right there. Anything I want to know, I can learn it. Well, and that presents a problem because we become dependent on a device rather than dependent on our own brain. And <laughs> that is the... That is the danger in this. We are so dependent on our... And I think one of my questions for you is of all your electronic devices, if you lost one, what would hurt you the most? And I was going to be interested in hearing what you have to say. But we may be preempting that question. No, it's a good question. But I think now the cell phone has become such an extension of ourselves. We are lost without alter ego. And that's what the cell phone has become. That's the other me. I need that. There's my brain, my information, my communication venue. I need that cell phone with me all the time. And now even that 
my little isolated life that I live, if I can't find my cell phone, I go into a semi-panic. Why would that be ha- happening to me now at this age? But that's how the culture and the, the love affair we have with, this, with the cell phone has impacted mm-hmm. all of our lives. None of us now, unless you're living in complete isolation in the cave, you are dependent on that cell phone. And uh, I'm not criticizing it. I think it's a marvelous, marvelous thing. But I would warn everyone, let's don't forfeit our own ability to think and reason and remember forfeited by dependence on an electronic device. We cannot do that. We need to sustain ourselves as intellectuals, as reasonable, uh, independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I to answer your question, if I lost my cell phone, which I have before, actually, I felt really good. The problem that I was having the most and where I would really struggle is if I did not have a clock or time. Oh, Well, that's because it's a disorientation. If you do not know, know where you are in time and space, mm-hmm. you are disoriented. And that is what we're putting ourselves into. Uh, we have to connect with the earth. We have to connect with the land. We have to connect with late, with nature. We're separating ourselves from that. We are living in a virtual mm-hmm. uh, false time uh, frame. And, and, and we as human beings need to be close to the earth. So my question for you is, what advice would you give to your younger self? I would say, Charlotte, take advantage of every opportunity you had to learn something new. I think that to allow our minds to be indolent or lazy or indifferent, and we miss an opportunity to learn something that will be of value later, Take advantage of every opportunity you have of learning. And that's why I went into education, and especially the young mind. The young mind is just a, it's like a beautiful lump of, of clay that can be molded and shaped in any direction. And to take a young child and not give them every opportunity to learn about the beauty and glory of, of the world and to poison them with prejudices or hatred or biasness. It's so wrong when there's so much beauty and, and excitement out there in the, in the world. Learning about other people's cultures, learning another language, um, learning about other um, countries or other religions. Expand your knowledge, use your mind. Never let your mind be inactive or indifferent. I tell you another thing that I learned to do early, my father taught me this, try to learn a new word in your vocabulary every day. Add something in your vocabulary that might you may not want to use it out when you go somewhere. Um, when you're out in a public place, you don't want to try to be a show-off yeah. and use $50 Facetious. words in a, in a $10 conversation. <laughs> but when you read something, oh, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't have to run to the Webster Dictionary to look it up. I know what that means. These are important small baby steps when you're in your young cells. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to learn something new. That's perfectly said. I agree. We should not be lazy. We should use our minds. 
And what's your last question for this okay, tea time? Okay, you want me to do a, a fun, fun one? What is your fun. best fitness exercise? Oh, okay. Well, swimming. I could swim all day. But last but not least, tennis. We just talk, we talked about this earlier. We both love tennis. Tennis is the ultimate sport. It's so fun. You get to look cute, first of all. Cute tennis skirt, matching your cute tennis outfit, cute visor, cute white shoes, and it's a strategy game. I'm always trying to outsmart the other person, but it's also a game you can bring each other up on. It's fun. It's also the first sport, because I'm a perfectionist. I'm not going to lie. I get really bogged down on perfection. It's the first sport I ever, ever did where if I mess up, I laugh instead of going, ugh. You know, in dance, if I mess up in dance, I get so frustrated. But in tennis, I'll trip over myself, the ball will go flying, and I just laugh. And it's like, oh my God, this is the first sport or thing, one of the few things in my life where I can just have fun. Well, that's all right, because that, <laughs> there's a lot of fitness in tennis. You're using all of your muscles in, in tennis. Plus, you're using your mind. You've got to anticipate what your opponent is going to do and then be alert if it doesn't turn out like you thought. Am I flexible enough to adapt to that surprise? Yeah, that's a mental, takes mental ability and mental acuity. I'm thrilled that you like tennis. It was one of my favorite in, in, in college, as I think I've told you earlier. I played a good bit of tennis, a good bit of golf, but tennis was the one that really demanded more physical exercise than golf. I think as long as you think of the sport, as a recreational, that I'm not so dedicated to it that I'm sacrificing other things for that. I think mm -hmm. as long as it is joyous, you do it. But it's fun, win or lose, I love the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that was over my, <clears throat> when I was in high school, there was a big sign over um, the gymnasium as you walked in, it said, love the game above the prize. Oh, I, I thought, what a marvelous thing to remember when you're playing any sport. Love the game above the prize. Win or lose, I love the game. And I think that makes the game uh, interesting, it makes it fun, and it makes you willing to share it with another person. I think that's something you could apply to any other things in your life, though. Let's say it's a passion. Let's say you really want to become a successful painter. The prize may or may not be there for you but you have to make sure that you love it love the process of it you know that happens to a lot of actors actually they focus so hard on getting famous but the minute they get it they get depressed because they put all their energy on the goal and not the love of becoming an actor so I think that's something you could apply in general to other things in life not just sports well I think you've uh, you've said something very profound Marie when we put product above process, we have lost the essence of the uh, of the endeavor. When product is all that counts, and we lose the love of the process, then we have lost the essence of what we were trying to accomplish. And I think this can be true in anything. If you love the product, the outcome is all that matters. Then you're tempted to do things that maybe are not exactly um, right. Mm -hmm and you will shortcut or you will take advantage or you will exploit because the product is so important. Whatever it takes to win is more important than how did I get there. And I think keeping that in, in anything that we do, what is the process like? How am I going to feel about myself when I see the product? 
Am I going to be proud of it, but ashamed of what I did to get it? But I think that's something that we have to learn as we go along, that the process is equally important, if not more important, than the outcome. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so just to wrap up our Tea Time episode, just maybe after this, go do something you are passionate about, but don't think of the outcome of the passion. You know, maybe that's like going to paint something or writing a song or going to play tennis. Or maybe go do something after this that you just love doing it, you know, and don't think of like the effects of it. I think that's something we can leave with people. Well, and I think, Marie, that's the essence of a balanced life, that you balance your life not only with the serious and the intentional, you also balance it with the unexpected, the joyous, the frivolous, mm-hmm. the, the fun. You've got to have that balanced life. And I think all of us search for that, but we are so consumed by, by the product or the outcome. We forget that there is a process in between our beginning and our ending. It's like to talk about the dash between the day you're born and the day you die, what's important is in the dash. Mm-hmm. It's not in the two dates. And I think that dash is the process. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think when we take our little tea break, we can just think of something we really like to do and do together that we can share. And I, I look forward to that. This has been fun. Thank yeah. you, Marie. Isn't this it fun? Been, this is lots of fun. Thank no, you just do it. A cheers to end it. Cheers. Cheers. Till to next the, time. To tea. <laughs> Okay, yay! I hope y'all enjoyed your first Tea Time with Lolly episode. I really just want to soak in that advice of just, you know, not getting caught up in the outcome of things. I can catch myself doing that a lot, with especially with this podcast and all. And I like how she explained that and make sure you don't get too caught up on stuff. You need to remember to have fun, which is why I'm posting this. I just love talking to my Lolly and I want y'all to hear it. So I'll post a couple more of these until season three comes out for my podcast, The Culture Cult Travel Show. But some episodes you have to look forward coming up. We're going to talk about the royal family and Lolly's opinion on Harry and Meghan. And we're going to talk about really good dating advice that she gives. And then we're also going to talk about basketball, but not just any kind of basketball, women's basketball from like the 40s and it's ridiculous so you know we have some stuff to look forward to and yeah and let me know if you have any questions that you want to ask lolly you know maybe you don't have a grandparents anymore and you want to hear this kind of perspective totally reach out to me on my instagram at culture cult show and just be like hey can you ask this to grandmother lolly she would love that i would love that so okay cool um i will see you next time for tea time Thank you.